Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, we've made it, right? You're like, where, where have we made it? <laughs> it's Christmas, right? Wow, you guys are so excited, I could tell. I, you know what, I actually hear Cedar Rapids. They're, they're like just shouting over there, way over you guys here. So. No. It is Christmas. It's that wonderful time of year, you know, where you start, you know, making lists and buying gifts and, uh, you know, baking cookies and, uh, I don't know, listening to me- Christmas music. How many of you have been playing Christmas music since, since uh, Thanksgiving? Wow, that's a pretty, pretty large amount of you guys, okay. Before, the, before Thanksgiving, raise your hand. Oh, there's some, there's some, people, there's some crazy people who just do it all year round. Like, okay, we're just going to do it. We're going to celebrate Christmas all year round. <laughs> yeah. Um, you watch TV shows, you know, Christmas shows that you've seen 50 times already, but you just watch them again, and it's just so nostalgic, you know. By the way, Chrissy told me to say all that because she really loves Christmas. <laughs> She's over there, yeah, yeah. I, I like Christmas too, but man, I am completely outmatched by my wife when it comes to Christmas. Completely, you know. Uh, uh, we, we, were, we traveled to Louisiana um, over Thanksgiving and then on to Dallas to visit my mother. And so the, the week, we left on Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. So the week leading up to that, it was just incredibly busy. There was a lot of activity, a lot of things that had to get done before before I left, and because I was going to be gone a week, and I wanted to make sure it was all done, and so I was just very, very busy, and uh, and there was a lot of packing. There was a lot of things, you know. We were driving down, and and you know the thing that was really creating angst for Christy the whole time that we're so busy was that we would not have a Christmas tree when we got back from Thanksgiving. Like we would, she was like just. It was just so overwhelming to her. <laughs> I'm curious. She's probably like, I wasn't that overwhelmed. Um, but I felt like she was. Uh, that we would get back from Louisiana and we'd walk into our living room and it would just be no Christmas tree at all. So guess what we had to do before we left? We had to go buy a Christmas tree. We had to go to Lowe's and you know what? No fake Christmas trees, okay? We don't, we don't have Christmas trees that you can pull out of a box. So those of you with fake trees, we, I don't know. Just <laughs> hey, I'm just, it's who I'm married to, you know. Um, so, and so we had to buy a Christmas tree. We put it in the, in, the, in the, you know, tree holder and watered it and then left, you know. And so when we got back, when we got back, there was a tree. It was still, it's, you know how they wrap it in that green thing, you know, and it still had that on. But at least... The tree was in the house before we left. Yeah, it's Christmas. Man, Christmas makes us do all kinds of crazy stuff. We really do. And so this is such a sweet time of year, though, Christmas is, for some. Because also Christmas has the ability to elicit a lot of negative emotions for others. Like you might be in this room right now and you've lost a loved one in the this year or recently and now sitting around the table, you're not, there's a place, place setting that you're not going to make because that person's no longer there. 
and it feels like a loss. It feels like pain. It feels like hurt. Some of you, as we're rapidly approaching the end of the year, and, you're, and the consciousness comes to you that, man, this is, this is yeah, it's another year has passed, and it reminds you that it's yet another year in a life that you really didn't want. Wasn't the life that you had planned, wasn't the life you had dreamed about, it was, it was just, it, it, something happened, something along the way happened, and you, got, and you deviated from all your dreams, all your plans, and now you find yourself in this place where another year is passing, and you're just reminded of it. And you feel distressed, and you feel disappointed, you feel discouraged. I'm sure there's many other stories of how this time of year is not necessarily the most cheerful, the most wonderful time of year. So what do we do when life is not exactly what we want? Do we just cave in? Do we just give in? Do we carry this cloud over our head for the rest of our lives because it's just not what it was? There's a line that Jesus says in John chapter 10. In John 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and he kind of contrasts himself to the bad shepherd, a bad shepherd. And he kind of calls this bad shepherd a thief. Look what it says in John 10. It says, the thief, talk about the bad shepherd, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief, the bad shepherd, comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In the series, we're talking about life to the full. Jesus here tells us there's two options on the table. There's life with the thief, okay? Satan and all of the world that, that he's influencing. And let me, let, me be, let me be frank with you. Oftentimes what happens with life with the thief is that initially it's very enticing. Initially it feels like it's the right answer. Initially it makes us feel good. But ultimately, it leads us to destruction. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you would sit here today. If you, I don't ask you to raise your hand, but you would ask. You would, we'd have a conversation. You'd say, yeah, I feel like my life has been stolen from me. I feel like the dreams, the plans, the things, the full life that I really want has been taken from me. That's what the thief does. There's two options, though. There's life with the thief, and then there's life with Jesus. And with Jesus, what you have is life to the full. It's an interesting way of kind of defining life to the full. It's not just biological life. It's not just your life. Yeah, that's part of it. But it's a, a kind of life. The Greek word there that, that is, John uses for to the full is the word parasos, which basically means exceeding, abundant, more than you can even imagine. Now, you're not just alive, but you are abounding. You're not just alive, but you are exceedingly abounding. There's an abundance in going on inside of you. This is what life to the full is. Essentially what Jesus is saying is, hey, yeah, there's life with a thief. Let me tell you something. He's going to steal it from you. You're going to walk away. You're going to walk away from that life feeling like you're wanting, like something's missing. But then there's life with me. And with me, there is an abundance of life. So I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of life to the full. 
I know your, some of your stories. I love sometimes hearing some of your stories, uh, sitting down and hearing you talk about where you are. I love how you do it because you, oftentimes the way you tell me your story is you, you speak in contrast. You say, this is where I was. This is what was going on in my life. This is the addiction that I was addicted to. This is the, 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 you know, the, the worthlessness that I was feeling. This is the stuff that was going on. And essentially, you're not saying this, but you're kind of characterizing life with a thief, right? But then you say, but then there was this moment in time in which I met Jesus Christ for the very first time. And now my life is no longer that life. Now my life is a completely different life, an abundant life. One that is full and vibrant. I love that. I love hearing those stories. But I also know that this verse has been terribly abused throughout history. It's been reduced to this idea of, you know, this life to the full is this idea that, that you're just supposed to be happy. Just be happy. You know, like if, like if you just have enough money in your bank account and, you know, you can have the, the great career and, you know, a family that's kind of put together and goes well and have 2.5 kids. <laughs> that if you have all of those things, if those things are in your life, then yes, you can live this abundant life, this full life. It's kind of contingent upon that. But life to the full is so much more than that. In fact, Jesus uses another adjective to describe this life. He kind of, in the Gospel of John, he uses it a little bit interchangeably. He uses the word eternal life. Now, I know you're listening to me, those of you that are theologically astute. You're saying, wait a minute, no, 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 eternal life. That's a different word. Yes. But Jesus uses it interchangeably. Because you maybe interpret eternal life as this is what happens when I die, right? When I die, I live for eternity in heaven. That's eternal life. But listen how Jesus defines eternal life in John 17. He says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you. Jesus is praying to his father about his disciples. And he's saying, this is what eternal life is, that those disciples of mine would know you, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Like life to the full is not so much about creature comforts. It's not so much about whether all the circumstances around your life are working out okay. And then oftentimes the way we interpret that is we say, well, God's blessing me this way. I'm blessed because I've got all these things are working out. There are Chinese Christians right now in a prison in China that are, that these are not working out, but they also feel blessed. And it's not because of the circumstances around them, but it's because they've experienced life to the full. And that life to the full comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, this world only knows satisfaction through kind of a self-focused approach. And you see it all around. I mean, that's, I mean if, you, if you, just Google self-help books. <laughs> Actually, Google will give you, I, th I think there's a limit in Google. What's the limit in Google of, of hits? There's a limit, like 10 million or something like that. They'll give you the maximum limit <laughs> of hits if you typed in self-help books. That's the approach that we have in this world. And we focus in on us, and yet, really what Jesus is, this life that Jesus is offering is not so much about self-help, self-focus. It's really about 
a life of intimacy and relationship with him. And so when you meet Jesus for the very first time, what he does is he begins this journey in your life of moving from a self-focused to a kingdom purposeful focus. And we understand that. Some of you understand that because you have experienced that. That was, that's your story. Up to the point I met Jesus, man, I was, it was all about me and mine and what I want and what I need and what I, no, 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 no. And then I met Jesus and now I want to help other people. That's the transformation that he brings about in our life. And so this Christmas season, we're reminding ourselves of this beautiful, abundant life that's available in Jesus. I mean, this is really what Christmas is all about. And so we're using this passage, John 10.10, as our base text. We're going to also look at another text. This other text is actually a Christmas text as well. But, you know, it's not the one that you might be thinking of. Like the one you might be thinking of is the one that, you know, Linus and Charlie Brown and his friends are quoting, you know, in in the show. This one's a little bit different text, actually. <clears throat> this one actually, this one has no angels in it. Mention, doesn't mention an, angels or shepherd or magi or, or Jesus in swaddling clothes or, or donkeys or any of those things are mentioned. You have to go all the way back to the before time began to hear this Christmas story. John the Apostle talks about this in John 1. And what we see in John 1 is that Christmas, like the birth of Christ, was planned and on purpose from the beginning of time. Like it wasn't a hiccup in history. It wasn't like God couldn't figure something out so he had to send Jesus because things were not working out the way he wanted them. This was actually planned and on purpose. And there's hope for us in that. And we'll get into that in just a second. But Jesus, uh, John is one of Jesus' closest followers and he starts his gospel off by this kind of soaring declaration of who Jesus is. Now, I love this text that we're going to read. You can pull up the text. I love this text we're going to read because this text right here, scholars believe that this was actually a, a hymn of the early church. So somewhere around 150 AD, Christian, very persecuted Christians in the ancient Near East area were actually singing these words in worship. I don't, maybe I'm just a history geek and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Rich. I don't care. But that does something to me. That does something to me that I'm about to read some words that people 2,000 years ago were worshiping to. The exact same words. I love that. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So there's this idea of the eternity of Jesus, the way ahead of, way, way from the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was, has been made. In him was life, and, the li- and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what we see is that God's plan and purpose in Jesus was eternal. It was from the very beginning. It was from the very beginning. Now, if you were a first century Jewish listener or reader to this text, and you heard John say to you, hey, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. And, you, and if you're a Jewish reader or, or listener and, and you know a little bit of, of the Old Testament, at least you know big parts of the Old Testament, certain parts of the Old Testament, and you hear John say, in the beginning was the word, what, is that, what would that remind you of? You can say it out loud. Creation, yep, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that's a, that's a text that, that they're familiar with, right? And so when John introduces Jesus, he wants us to go all the way back to the beginning. 
For us, the Christmas story is that, you know, auspicious moment, you know, back in the turn of the century, you know, 0 AD or 1 AD, where Jesus is born in a manger. But John wants us to go further back than that. He introduces Jesus at the very beginning of time to let us know that your life in Christ, my life in Christ, was not a hiccup in history. Wasn't God's plan B? This is actually God's intention from the very, very beginning. Like God has known your name. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Like he knows you. And it's found in him. Him. He uses a word here, an interesting word. He uses the word word, right, to basically talk about Jesus. Now, when he does this, I mean, why does he use this word? It's kind of confusing. Like, you're listening to me right now. You're like, Rich, can we just go to the other Christmas story? Because this one's kind of like boring and confusing, right? Maybe that's how you're thinking. But he uses, why does he use this word? Okay. I think the reason it's brilliant on part of John is that he uses it because everybody in the room would understand him. Everybody in the room would understand him. He uses the word word to describe Jesus. And those Jewish listeners listening, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, God's word. That's right. When God speaks, things happen. We understand it. We're clear about that. We know those things. We know that concept. Like when God spoke, God spoke word, heavens, sun, the moon, and a star in the sky. When God's word went forth, these magnificent bodies of ours, these complex and and Beautifully designed bodies of ours were formed. Well, some of ours are beautifully designed. I don't know. Others may not be. But some of them, right, were, 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 were just formed because God spoke. When God speaks, they understood this. There is purpose, and that purpose is eternal. But he's also speaking to a Greek audience. This is John, by the way. John is also speaking to a Greek audience. And so this Greek audience understood this word as well. The word logos is this, this word word translated as logos in the Greek. <clears throat> in Greek philosophy, logos was the way of explaining the cosmic and personal force that's behind everything in all creation and in order. I think a helpful word to, for us to use to understand logos is the word logic. So in Greek mindset, the way they thought was there's a logic behind everything. There's a logic behind creation like that's why they, they, you know, they excelled in the maths and the sciences because there was, there was this logic. They were trying to understand the logic of the universe. A philosopher, as he was studying, what he would do, he would try to figure out how to organize his life, his actions, his beliefs around the logic of the universe. Tim Keller talks about this. He says, John begins by saying yes. Okay, he's an author. Tim Keller just passed away this year, but he's an amazing pastor in New York City and an author. He, he writes, John begins by saying, yes, there is a logos. And everything in the world that exists came through the logos. Okay? But, it's not, but it's not a cosmic principle, this logos, which is what Greeks would have thought. It was just some kind of cosmic principle. It's not an abstract set of standards. It's not just... You know, some philosophical ideas out there. It's a person to be known and loved. That's the Logos. And in connecting with him, then we'll be connected to the heart of ultimate reality. And so Tim Keller in his very theological way is letting us know that when you connect to Jesus, your life has purpose and meaning. 
You understand it. He goes on. <clears throat> Jesus, a person who desperately seeks to, a relationship with you, is the very logic and framework behind the universe. So it's really all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So John emphatically declares that Jesus is God. He was not created. He always existed. Jesus is not just simply some great teacher with some nice moral you know, teachings that we can follow. He wasn't just some spiritual guru that you can, you know, awakens God consciousness in you. He is the son of God. He's eternally God. And in him there is purpose. And I can hear you right now. You're saying, that's why I didn't go to seminary. Rich, we should have stuck with the other Christmas story. How's this relevant for us? I think what's awesome is how intentional God was through Christ. Like this wasn't his plan B. This wasn't, you know, like an afterthought. God wasn't like, oh man, wringing his hands in heaven. I didn't see that sin thing coming. <laughs> what am I gonna do about the, these Adam and Eve? Like my creation, they, they've sinned. I don't even know what to do. No, that's not God. He fully understands everything. In fact, immediately after they sin and after he's, they're like, you know, sent away from the garden, he says, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Like from the very beginning, he already had a plan for Jesus to come to this earth and to bring salvation and redemption to all of us. I love that. In fact, John in Revelation boldly proclaims, he says, Jesus is the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the earth. From the very beginning, it was in God's mind. And what does he do? He comes to give you life. Life to the full. I think this passage kind of brings comfort to us because at times I think we think that God doesn't know where you are. We think that somehow or another God's not aware of what's happening around me. Like God's not aware of the balance in my, or the negative balance in my checking account. Like God's not aware that I'm suffering right now, I'm really struggling right now and I'm in pain or hurting and he just, just doesn't know. Like God's not aware that, that my spouse is creating so much stress. He's he or she is dysfunctional and is creating so much stress in the home, I don't even know what to do. But he knows. And he has a plan. He's like this master craftsman. He's got a plan basically to bring redemption, to bring us to full life. He, see, he knows your past and he sees your future. I think one of the fundamental thought, uh, themes throughout the, the scriptures is this idea of surrender. Surrender. Um, it's, you see it throughout. Now, it's not, it's not a concept that we like. Let's be honest. You know, we, in, in the world that we live in, we, when we say, hey, just surrender, we're like, no, I'm not going to surrender, especially probably in Western, in Western mindset. We don't really like the idea of surrender. But yet, it is a concept in scripture. And basically, the concept in scripture is this. If you will surrender your life, your own life, surrender it to God, if you do that, you will find life. Which is so weird. Like, really? It seems so negative. It's so opposite. Like, how do you surrender and find? I mean, it doesn't make, make any sense. How do you give something up and yet get something back? And this is exactly what, what Scripture teaches. And the older I get, the more I'm realizing. This is really hard, to be honest with you. I've been saved for 42 years. 
Okay, I've, I've known Jesus for 42 years, and it's been a 42-year 42 journey of surrender. And believe me, I still have to wake up on the, on the morning. I'm going to be 60 years old next week. <laughs> and I still have to wake up in the morning and at times surrender some things in my life that are not right. But here's what I'm learning is that the older I get and the more I surrender, the more life I find. John continues, verse 3. says this, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Like God's purpose, God's purpose in Jesus is creative and life-giving. Like he's, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's a new creation happening. New life is being birthed in us. I like what Paul says in Colossians 1. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God. The first one, I'm kind of hurrying because of time, but let me get done here. The son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. <clears throat> things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, now listen to this last slide, all things have been created through him and for him. You wanna know why you might be crushing it at work and then come home and still feel empty? It's because you weren't created for and through your work. You want to know why you might have that Instagram life, beautiful family, 2.5 kids, <laughs> nice home. You could post it on Facebook all the time, and yet at the end of the day you still feel lonely. It's because you weren't created for and through that. You want to know why that next hit, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it is, that used to, that used to really satisfy you, now just leaves you, leaves you not satisfied and full of shame, is because you were not created for that. You were created through and for the one who made you, which is Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 plus years ago. And on that very first Christmas, he introduced to us a new kind of life, a life to the full. So don't reduce your satisfaction to those things. Here, let me make it practical. Don't let Christmas, this Christmas, your sense of well-being just be because you gave a lot of gifts out. Because, you know, your house is so nicely decorated, and I love all those things. Those are all, nothing's wrong with any of that. But let your satisfaction come because you are in relationship with Jesus Christ and you're anticipating even deeper and greater relationship with him. Amen? Amen. This last verse that we saw, verse five, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The other day, Christy and I were driving out of our neighborhood and um, as, as you're driving out of our neighborhood, there's one place where there's like a hill and we could see a lot of houses down, down kind of like in, a, in an area. And... and uh, <clears throat> And she just exclaimed, just very, very emotionally and passionately. She said, "Oh, all those beautiful Christmas lights, you know." And it was, it was beautiful. You see a lot of houses. It was, you know, it was, it was at night, and you see all these houses lit up in different colors, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, of course, I wasn't sure what that meant, you know, because it could mean, "Oh, all those Christmas lights, how nice." It also could have meant, "Oh, all those Christmas lights, and we don't have any lights at our house." I don't know which one that meant, but it might be. 
It might be the second one. <laughs> I might need somebody's basement to stay at this, this month. I don't know. <clears throat> John uses this metaphor of light. And like just as God in the beginning spoke and light filled this earth, Jesus comes to this earth and light dispels darkness. A light will always shine through the darkness. That light transforms, that light heals, that light shines in you and it brings about purpose, it brings about clarity, it brings about, about a sense of satisfaction. It's interesting about this word here, overcome. It's not overcome it. The Greek word is, you can go back, the Greek word is katalambano, which basically means grasped, held down, contained. This is ideas that darkness, can, darkness cannot hold down it can try to grasp the light, but it cannot. It can't get light and put it in a, in a jar and contain it. I guess it's just not possible. And it makes me understand something a little bit about light and how light works. All of you know this. You know, you turn a switch on, the light just shines in the room, you know, and you can see now. When I grew up in Panama, I grew up, you know, you know, Panama is a tropical country. and It's got a lot of roaches. <laughs> and I remember... We would do this. This is like a practice of ours that growing up as kids. That before we went to bed at night and before we turned the light on in the bedroom, we'd pull off our sandal because we knew that we were going to turn the light on and we were going to see roaches scurrying everywhere. Like, oh no, the light, they're coming, run. You know, and they would run. You know, and these aren't just little tiny roaches. Like we went to Panama the summer and, and one of our roommates would say, hey, there's roaches in this room. And it was, they were like little tiny roaches, right? I think they were. These are like monster roaches, man. These are flying roaches. You know, they're on the side of the wall and you walk up with a sandal to smash it, you know, and you're walking up to the sand with a sandal and they see you, so no, you're not. And then they fly off to another wall, you know. And then our mom is like, get to bed, turn the lights out. We're like, no way. <laughs> it's interesting how these things, you know, you just, light just causes them to flee, to run. And that's essentially it. Light is overcoming, it's powerful, it's unstoppable. That's who Jesus is in your life. Right? You can't contain it. You can't put it in a jar. You can't limit it. You cannot say this, I have this light, but I want to control the light. The light is just a light. And it brings healing and satisfaction to your life. But see, it's interesting that John, is, John says the, the darkness cannot contain. Why would he even say that? Except that somebody was trying to contain the light. Except that there was, there was this idea that we don't want the light. It's the reason why some people just don't go to church because they don't want the light to shine. They did this with Jesus. They, they thought they would contain the light. They thought they would trap the light. And so what did they do? They, they, they crucified him. Then they put him in this borrowed man's tomb and they put a big gigantic stone over the entrance. And maybe they were thinking, finally, finally we have... We have diminished the light. Finally, we have just extinguished the light. They thought. And then three days later, the stone gets rolled away. Jesus comes back to life and the light is shining in this world. And this is really, amen, amen. This is really what Christmas is all about. Is the light 
shining in this world and you are a part of that. And he wants you to live that full and abundant life so that you can shine that very same light in this world. So, don't live in the shadows. Some try to do that. Some try to live in this, like I want some light. I don't want all the light. <laughs> I want some light. Like I want, I want to be called a Christian. I want to go to church and, you know, do the checklist thing. But, but I really don't want Jesus to mess with my life, my lifestyle. You can't hold the light back. You cannot hold the light back. Amen. And so what I want to do is I want us all to stand. We're going to pray and close our service here this morning. If you're in Cedar Rapids or in Wilton, you can stand as well as we close in prayer. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this life to the full. My prayer for us as a church is that Christmas this year would not just simply be about, uh, you know, that my joy, my satisfaction only comes from buying gifts or listening to Christmas music or watching TV shows or whatever, but that our joy really does come from the relationship that we have with Jesus. This is the best time to remind, remind ourselves of that because he is the light of the world. And right now he wants to shine in your life. And some of you in this room right now, you might be experiencing some darkness. If you're in Wilton or Cedar Rapids, you might be experiencing some darkness right now. Can I just suggest something? Can, you, can I just suggest let the light shine? I know it's scary at times. I know we feel like, I don't know, if, if I get too exposed, I'm not sure if I want to do that, but let the light shine because there's nothing but healing and good that can come from the light shining in your life. A life that's surrendered to him. Amen? Amen. So let us pray and uh, invite Jesus in. Jesus, we just want to thank you for who you are what you're doing we thank you Father that you yes this Christmas story is Jesus birth in, in, in Nazareth and all the details around that we're so thankful for that story but we know that that story began way before then we know that story began in the very mind of God at the very beginning of time and that God remind us that you do see us Remind us, God, that you have not forgotten about us. Remind us, God, that you see us in our pain and our hurt. And you simply just want to shine your light into our lives. You want to give us a full, abundant life. And so, Jesus, this morning, we, we do what we, the only thing that we can do to invite that life into us is that we surrender our lives. We surrender our hearts and our lives to you. And for those in this room and those in Cedar Rapids, those in Wilton that do not know you, have never given their life over to you, Jesus, today we surrender our life to you. And we invite your life into us. Jesus, will you speak to our hearts? Will you challenge us this Christmas season to live a life surrendered to you? In Jesus' name. We have prayer teams here in the left and right. And so if you'd like prayer, I encourage you to step out. They, they love to pray with you. If, if you made a decision here this morning to give your life to Jesus Christ, we'd love to walk that journey with you. We want to 
we want to, we, we just want to walk that journey with you. And so there's a card in the seat back in front of you. You could just simply check off. Today I gave my life to Jesus and uh, somebody will contact you. So otherwise, God bless you. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you. We'll see you next week. God bless.